You're listening to the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington's cities. I'm Sarah, the Digital Communications Specialist here at AWC, and this month we had two great guests for AWC's bi-monthly newsletter, HR Insights. AWC Government Relations Director Candace Bach sat down with Stephanie Lukash, Deputy City Manager at Kenmore, and Christy Rowland, Deputy Chief Administrative Officer at Brenton. In addition to their duties at their respective cities, both are involved with the Northwest Women's Leadership Academy, a professional training program that aims to train the next generation of women and non-binary city leaders. We talked to Stephanie and Christy about their experience in the program, how the academy works, and how interested city employees can apply. Let's get into it. to this edition of the City Voice podcast. I'm Candace Bach, Government Relations Director for the Association of Washington Cities. I'm here today with two amazing city leaders, Stephanie Lukash, Deputy City Manager for the City of Kenmore and current president of the Washington City County Management Association, and Christy Rowland, who's the Deputy Chief Administrative Officer for the City of Renton and the past president of the Washington City County Management Association. Stephanie and Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really anxious to hear a little bit more about your leadership journey, and in particular, the Northwest Women's Leadership Academy that you've both been really instrumental in. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to be involved with the Northwest Women's Leadership Academy? Well, Candice, thank you so much for having Christy and I. We're delighted to be here with you and talking about something that I can speak for Christy is near and dear to both of our hearts. And um, both of us, actually, Christy and I were both in the first cohort of the Northwest Women's Leadership Academy, um, but we're also um, involved in this profession, in the city management profession for a long time. And definitely there's a backstory we'll probably get into, but we'll talk about the need for this type of academy and how it's meeting that need. Uh, but yeah, I got to participate in the first cohort and immediately thought, oh, there's all kinds of things I want us to, you know, as we learn and make this better, um, you know, improve. And so volunteered to be more involved after I graduated in that first cohort. And I'm now recruitment and selection committee chair and on the executive board. So get to be involved in recruiting new women and non-binary participants to apply and participate and be selected and participate in future cohorts. So it's been it's been a definitely a labor of love and a really fun thing to be involved in and really important for the future of local government and city management profession. Thanks, Stephanie. Christy, do you have some so want to share some of your background on it? I was uh, just dipping my toe into the possibility of getting into the city management uh, role. I had about 15 years of experience in local governments of different types um, in the finance aspect of things. And I really, I did not grow up dreaming of uh, getting into this role. So um, there are some who definitely did. And I'm one of those with a kind of a long, strange trip to this point. And um, 
at a WCMA conference that I was invited to attend by one of my mentors, Jay Covington, who is the former CAO here in Renton. Um, there happened to be a meeting scheduled that said, hey, are you interested in getting an academy started for women in leadership and city management? And I joined that meeting. It was standing room only, a packed room. And I signed up for every single committee that was there and became one of the founding members of this uh, team that is still going uh, with several others that are keeping the, the academy moving and the, keeping the wheels turning and and now graduating this this with this cohort, I think we're close to 160 graduates. Um, it just couldn't be more of an honor to be part of and to work alongside with the the women that I'm working with, and also to be part of so many emerging leaders that are growing and developing themselves into this profession and into really leaders leaders in the state of Washington. It's just such an honor to be part of. So my journey started at the beginning when I wasn't even sure I wanted to do it, which is a lot of where women start who apply for this academy is, do I really want that job or do I really want to grow or can I? And then they answer that question through the through the journey. And I did go through the first cohort kind of as our uh, uh, quality controls, so to speak, to make sure we were hitting the mark. And it, it just clearly has only gained momentum growing from that first year. I'm just super proud of it. You both just talk um, with such passion and dedication and commitment about this um, kind of labor of love, the Northwest Women's Leadership Academy. But many of um, the folks listening to this podcast probably aren't familiar with it at all, or are only maybe have heard a little bit about it. So for those who are new to um, the Northwest Women's Leadership Academy, can you start maybe a little bit more at the beginning now, now that we've got them bought into what an amazing thing this is? Um, let's tell them about it. What is it? What's the main goal of the program? Our main goal uh, really started from the fact that nationwide, when this originally started, there were only 13 or 16, I think it was 13 percent uh, of, of leadership positions nationwide that were held by women. And so we know through a lot of research and study that having women on your leadership team makes it better. Um, because of the attributes that we bring to the table. And so in order to make leadership in every city, county, any team better, we know we need to get more women at the table. It's as simple as that. And so creating opportunities to give women the confidence to put their hat in the ring, which is half of the challenge, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but you can't make any shots you don't take. And so we need need women to feel comfortable reaching for that ring and getting their hat in the ring and putting their name on the list that might get them in that leadership position. And then it starts happening and we do start getting more women in, at the table and then they reach back and, and bring more. And that's exactly what we're seeing. I would just add that I think a lot of what women lack in local government, and this is a local government Academy. So for city and county and other local government women and non-binary individuals. So it's not for state government. It's not for federal government. It's not for military employees. And we've had those questions. And it's not for elected officials either. It's for local government. I was just going to ask about the elected officials. I think yeah. that's come up. Yes. 
and you know, we know that there's a need for this type of academy for that audience, but it also requires intention and women often lack mentorship and networking. And that's one of the things, I mean, I think men typically have done that better than women historically. And so creating an academy like this is a built-in network of other women and non-binary individuals supporting each other as they grow on their journey and creating a safe place to ask questions and to explore your own journey and help you figure out what is the next step. And I, I think part of what's been also really fascinating about the Academy now that we're in you know, fifth cohort five is that it started out being, how can we create more opportunities for women in the top seat? So city managers and administrators in local government. And it actually has evolved because what we saw after a few cohorts that not every person, just to Christy's point, like this isn't a career year of, you know, a elementary school student person. You're like, I want to grow up and be a city manager. Like that's not even not a profession that people know much about. So it, and it also, it's also valid for people to say, actually, I prefer my career path is I want to be a police chief someday, or I want to be a fire chief, or I want to be a parks and recreation director, or I want to be a finance director in municipal government. That is my ultimate goal. And so we did shift here in the last couple of cohorts, the curriculum to adjust for what we were seeing in real life, that there are women participating in the program who were saying, yeah, that's the, my end goal is, is a leadership level position in local government, but may not be the top seat. But how do you get more people in leadership at the table is through academies like this, where you're promoting mentorship, networking, skill building so people have the confidence and the they have the tools and they understand how things work so that they're more apt to apply for positions there's skill there is a set of skills you can build that will help you be better like more like better equipped and more likely to actually get the job in the end um, and also helping women who often look at job like recruitments or job announcements and say, oh, I have, there are 15 main requirements of this job and I have 14 of 15. So I'm not inclined to apply and saying that's the wrong way of thinking about it, like apply. And um, that there's some gender issues around that. I think that we've seen that men are less likely to think that way. They tend to think I can do this job. I may not have done many of those things on the list, but I have confidence in myself. So building more confidence in these cohorts of women, non-binary folks, that they feel like, hey, I, I'm just as capable of doing that job as the next person and putting their hat in the ring to use Christie's words. And I think those are good ones. So, so how does the academy actually work? Can you kind of walk us through the, the process? Again, one of the things I mentioned before, we pride ourselves on the fact that we're all volunteer. So all the coordination that goes in are, that is all being done by a handful of very, very busy women and busy people who are uh, lifting this off the ground every year. And there are various stages. So we have in the spring a, a recruitment period, which Stephanie has led um, for several years. And that process, I'm sure she could explain, because I think it really um, is interesting and very thoughtful how that process works. Um, once selected, the cohort, uh, we have six topics that we cover, everything from knowing yourself to knowing your budget to engagement to uh, overcoming barriers uh, and then finally getting the job. And there's a few others mixed in. Over the course of around seven months, 
we have our academy members block, our cohort members block every Friday morning, and we have two half-day sessions. So for example, we have a session called Knowing Your Budget. Part one is a half day with subject matter experts delivering content, giving them real in-the-trenches experience that anyone who's seeking a leadership role needs to know about your budget, you know, kind of arming you with the basics so you have the confidence. You're not completely in the dark on what might be expected of you. The next Friday, uh, another half-day session will be with someone either different or uh, other content providers. We sometimes bring in professional speakers and presenters, depending on the topic, and maybe a panel of experts that we bring in from the trenches. So they might be active city managers, or they might be retired city managers, or they could be finance directors. That's what we're having this time. But people in the trenches, again, giving that real world experience and passing that on to the to the cohort for them to have the advantage of that kind of insight. And then we have a third uh, Friday scheduled for every topic so that um, each of the cohort members um, can get together with their assigned, pre-assigned small groups. So we kind of, we have 36 cohort members. We divide them into six groups of six. So they have a tighter network to work within because we have, this is all virtual except for our beginning and our ending. So everything else is virtual, trying to remove the barriers of attendance. And so they have these small groups and they have an opportunity to debrief and learn more about what other people heard from that session or maybe ask questions. Each of those small groups is led by a past cohort member kind of guiding them through the process. Like, did you think about this? That's a great observation. And, and building that network out, uh, again, connecting cohort to cohort. So not just the small group of six, but now they're attached to all 130 previous graduates by this connection. So we have the beginning, which uh, is an in-person retreat that we have found has worked wonderfully to get the cohort members gelled together get to know each other pretty well, stay overnight, have a full day together. And, and we actually this time invited past cohort members to mix and mingle. Uh, we had a sponsor who was able to make that possible. And then, so they have that foundational group gathering to start with. And then they have these sessions over the course of several months. So we start October-ish, we end March-ish. We learned through the pandemic to be very nimble. We don't use all the Fridays, but we use a lot of them and we ask people to be flexible. And then we have a graduation at the end that is one of the most uplifting things I think every year I look forward to it because we have speakers who are there that might be a past cohort member or someone else just to really send off the cohort members feeling very confident and very glad that they're part of this amazing group. And one last piece of the, the model is we have a kind of a competition. Each cohort small group competes with against each other to present at our annual summer conference. So they're, they're given the opportunity to have a captive audience with potential hiring bodies in the room and showcase their skills and also send a message. Here's what you need to know. So often it's a message from the academy. You know, I'm a woman leader and here are, here's what you need to know 
to the rest of the city managers in that um, and administrators in that room. But also it's, a, it's just a wonderful way for them to get some visibility that they would never get. Christy, thanks for that um, overview of the, the program. And I've, um, I've watched some of those presentations at the summer conference and they're amazing. Um, the work that is done and the work that they've done. Uh, Stephanie, can you tell us a little bit about the recruitment and how women and non-binary individuals get engaged and get selected for the program? Absolutely. Well, I will say that it starts with all of us. So anyone who's listening, if you're thinking about people that you know, women and non-binary individuals in your network who would really benefit from an opportunity like this to grow their local government career, that's what it takes. So recruitment's all about thinking about that, who would be a good candidate for this program and referring them to it. And we've found that over and over, it makes a big difference. Women and non-binary individuals, if you've been asked or recommended to do something, are more likely to do it. It helps build their confidence going into the application process. Or maybe you're someone listening and you think, hey, that would be perfect for me. Well, welcome and we encourage your application. So what happens every year is we start that process in the spring. So there will be notices that go out. It's typically from April to May, and we keep the recruitment window open for about a month. And it's a pretty straightforward application, some information that you're collecting about who you are and your position, your education level, and other demographic information. And then there are some essay questions that require you to be really thoughtful about what your career goals are, what some of the challenges that you're facing are, what you wanna get out of the academy. And then there's a short video that is always just without fail every year is a challenge for, for folks. And I think it's really important. It's a skill to learn how to record a short 30 second kind of elevator pitch video that tells something about yourself and why you want to be part of the academy. And so, I know it can feel daunting and I have coached I know, people many are really people nervous say, about being on camera. I know, <laughs> I know. And I always say, this is safe, a safe place. We're just, we just want to get a sense of who you are and why you might be a good fit for the Academy. And it matters in the recruitment and selection committees process. Um, the videos really do matter because we're looking for people who are committed to participating fully and being supportive of other participants and getting the most out of it and attending all the sessions and all that. So I think that's just been a really important part of the process that will be uh, continued. So we go through that process. It's a, always a grueling and difficult process because there are so many, I mean, every person is deserving and everyone would benefit and we have to make choices and um, we score all of the applicants and then make a decision and then um, are notifying folks in June. And then the academy starts in the fall with the kickoff overnight retreat that Christy mentioned. So it's, yeah, it's something that we should be thinking about all year long, though, because as you're thinking about people on your teams, potentially, you know, who are looking for the next step or wanting to grow in local government, this is just a great way to offer them something that is, and, you know, we really want them to feel supported as they participate. Can you tell me a little bit more, tell the audience a little bit more about what are the skills um, that you found that the participants uh, entering the academy most need to develop or most want to develop perhaps is a, a better way to ask that question. What is it they're really seeking or, or what kind of skills are they seeking and building? I mean, I can speak from my perspective on that. I think that a lot of what people are seeking is a network of, of other women to support them through their careers. And 
have people on the other end of the phone who will answer your call and help you with something, a challenge that you're facing and be a safe person to talk to about. I mean, we all need those people in our lives and not everyone has that in local government. And so we're trying to build that. So that's part of it is a network and also mentorship is another big piece of it that I think, I mean, I know my experience was so spectacular with mentorship in the program. I'm just so grateful for that. And just, you know, having this opportunity to be matched with someone and who can guide you through different, you know, experiences that you'll have along the way that are very common. But the first time you're confronting those, it can be really hard and difficult to know what to do. So I think those are some of the pieces. And then there's some hard skills that I think in order to advance in your career, you really do need to have. And, you know, Christy mentioned some of them when she talked about the curriculum, but I think that's the other piece of it is just, you know, getting people access to some of the content that is a little bit of a mystery. If you're in a management analyst position in a city manager's office or in a department in a city and, you know, really don't have visibility to some of those skills. And then it's just this, you know, catch 22, like without having those skills, it's hard to advance, but you, I think that's a big part of it. I'll just add the one, I think, thing in addition is learning that what they actually have to offer. So there are skills, they don't really know what they don't know. So they come in, as Stephanie said, to kind of peel the curtain back, get the, remove the mystery, but they also, through the mentorship and, the, and just the discussion, is kind of a self-discovery of, wow, I I actually have a lot to offer and it may not look the same on my resume as it does on the next person's, but I have a lot of qualities that make me absolutely just as capable as the next person to put my hat in the ring. And, and that was my experience. Well, wait a minute, look at your resume, actually, what are you waiting for? Uh, but it really takes that kind of conversation, uh, almost a dope slap sometimes to <laughs> remind people, wow, you're, You've got a lot of going on and really just putting themselves in that seat is the first step of that discovery process. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Christy, because I think one of the things that I was noticing when we did the opening retreat this last, just recently in October, I was thinking a lot about how some of the personal stories that we tell as leaders in that opening session, it really is about there isn't the, and I think sometimes it's a misconception in just every profession, but local government is no different, that there's this kind of logical next step and there's a ladder and you climb it in a particular order and then there you are at the top. And I think that is so rare that that's how careers actually in real life advance. I think it's often the meandering stream and you're kind of doing these interesting jobs and then you find yourself, oh, here I am. And I think dispelling that myth that, oh, because people, I think, sometimes feel like I'm not on the right track. I haven't done the thing. And it's actually, there are so many pathways to leadership. And where you are is the perfect place for you. And how great that you're in this experience. And you can build on where you are and then figure out what's next. And I think that's been really valuable. And I had so many people talk to me at the opening retreat about, you know, thanking. Thank you for sharing your story because it helps me feel like, oh, I can see myself in that story. That's my story too. You know, I was going to ask you both about some of the success stories coming out of um, the program, but I feel like every person who's in there is a success story just by taking that step, saying that I want to do something more. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the stories for um for women and non-binary individuals coming out of the program that have really stuck with you? There are 
what I have observed, uh, there's many definitions of success, and that's kind of how we've, again, like we mentioned earlier, retooled to kind of uh, zero in on that. We've had a, many graduates, and we're actually uh, conducting or getting the support of UW Evans School, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, Stephanie, getting a, a study done on mm -hmm. The progression of all of our cohort members because again we're all volunteers it's hard to keep track of everything so we don't have hardcore data on it but we we do and what i can provide is anecdotal data at least monthly if not more frequently i get a message or a email or a phone call just acknowledging that because of my connection to the academy i did X. There's a celebration in that, and there's pride in that, and there's a connection to that network that made it possible. Them, again, just putting their hat in the ring or feeling confident enough to do that is, it's a huge win. And where we've seen uptake in leadership uh, positions where there are women and non-binary people in those positions, that's a marked improvement. We've moved the needle, and I think it's very exciting to see the difference. And I can't wait for the data to actually be uh, super visible about that. But more than anything, it's the excitement and passion that all the women I hear from that have some connection to the academy related to an advancement. It could be a lateral. It could be a, I chose not to apply because it was the right decision for me. And I had the confidence to say, that's not for me right now, but I'll, I'll be ready when it is. The success stories are not just getting the next job, but it is having the confidence to apply and knowing what they want and what they're capable of. Stephanie, you may be able to say that better than me. <laughs> no, I thought that was very well said. But I will also talk about, I'm very excited about this. How do we tell the story of our success through data? And uh, it's just you know, we're all, to Christy's point, we're all volunteers who have full-time jobs in local government and are, you know, super busy people, but we know this is important. And so we applied through the, the Washington City County Management Association board uh, supported um, funding, a capstone project through the University of Washington Evans School. And we're super excited that it was chosen. There are four students who chose this capstone project and we'll be working on it with us uh, over the next six months uh, in the first half of 2024. And we're delighted because one of the key questions that we're asking is for all of our graduates to be surveyed by this group of graduate students. So all the academy graduates will be surveyed and there'll be a set of questions, including have you been promoted since you participated in the academy? Like, have you built your, do you feel like your network is more expanded? Do you have a mentor? Is that something you didn't have before and you have now? And kind of what else have you seen as a positive outcome of your participation in the academy? So I'm um, just really looking forward to having that, that report from the set of students and working with them over the next six months. Because I think that's a really important part of the value proposition of an academy like this. Can you tell the story, not just anecdotally, which is important, but also through data? And we'll mm -hmm. be able to do that soon. Can I add that uh, one of the success stories I would easily claim is my own. I wouldn't be in this seat right now talking about this in my position without having been connected to the academy and the people that are connected to it. So um, I can certainly 
put myself on as a success story and and many others could certainly I'm trying to think about our entire kind of core team I think we've all had some kind of movement in our careers as we've gone through the last five six years of this so that's true for me as well I would I don't think I would be president of the Washington City County Management Association had I not been part of the academy and been at our summer conference in 2021 and like well why not me like you know I've now been 20 years in the WCMA as a member and at some point if you want to impact in a positive way the future of an association you're affiliated with you need to step up and be part of the leadership or be involved more deeply and that was my moment in 20 summer of 2021 like yes I will run for vice president because I care and I want this to be better and I think the confidence to do that in part for me came from my participation in the cohort one and thinking about well yeah you need to step up sometimes you know not wait for someone else to do it yeah so two huge success stories right here with us in addition to 136 others so amazing and I think you again I I've been going to the city manager um county manager conferences, almost maybe as long as you have, Stephanie. Um, I think I went to my first one in 2006. And uh, it's it's a, it's a bigger and different group, um, which is great to see. So as we're kind of wrapping up here today, maybe if you could just share your last bit of advice or any last advice, given your journey through the academy yourselves and um, being in the leadership roles you're at in now and your work with running the academy, what would what would be your advice to women who are ready to make the jump into leadership or want to explore that, that jump? I would say that my advice is you're ready. You're ready right now. You may have doubts or you may question that, but I would say you're ready. And if you're thinking about applying, apply, because that's the first step toward this amazing experience. And I I will also say that sometimes people have to apply more than once. I've seen that many times leading the recruitment and selection committee that we see somebody who's not successful the first time they apply. And um, I I know myself and others on the committee have provided feedback for some of those individuals. And I've seen them come back the next year and apply and successfully make it into the cohort. And so also, so you're ready and don't be daunted by what may seem as a setback but continue to push forward and um, and just reach out to any of us on the leadership of the academy because I think every one of us is, has takes immense joy in talking with people about in local government about this academy and about what's possible and encouraging more people to think about either themselves or others that they know who might be good candidates for in the future. Thanks, Stephanie. I love that. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready. Christy. I would say uh, just don't forget your network is is your superpower. Your relationships, your reputation start now. So not just when you're applying for the job, but right now, one of the things I'd like to mention at the beginning of the academy is everything's a job interview. The people you meet right now, meetings you attend, and all the things you're doing and learning together, it's people will remember you and how... um, they, they find you. And so some of the people you're talking to right now might be your the person that hires you. So just to remember that everything has opportunity in it. And it might not come to fruition tomorrow or next year, but it could be five years from now. Someone will remember you and the promise and the opportunity that you bring to the table. And then 
the other thing is don't forget to reach back to to bring someone else to the table. That's why I'm here. That's why many others are there. Make opportunity for others, no matter where what position you're in. If you're a leader, that's what you do. Christy, thank you so much for that. Stephanie, thank you as well. Um, just uh, really appreciate you taking the time and kind of and coming to share your your passion for the Northwest Women's Leadership Academy, um, your experience with it. I'm really glad to share this with our audience out there, and hopefully um, you will be re-inundated with interest as you uh, open the application uh, cycle next year with a whole new um, uh, audience of of potential um, participants. And we will um, uh, encourage folks to visit uh, your website, uh, Northwest Women Leadership Academy is, is it nwwla.org? Yes, that's right. Great. We'll um, share that out. And again, thanks to both of you for taking the time to be with us today and to share, um, again, your passion, your commitment to this, and really hope that uh, folks are inspired by learning more about it. Thanks so much, Candice. It's been great to be with you. And thank you to the AWC for your support of the Academy. Thanks very much. The AWC City Voice podcast is a production of AWC, where our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. As always, thanks for listening.